This is Dr. Dick Little's tape series on the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer. This message describes what happens when the Holy Spirit's power comes into a believer's life and why this is of utmost importance. Well, it is very good to be back with you today. I'm very happy to say that my wife is back. She has not been able to come, and she's glad to be here today. I also want to say that it's amazing to me. I know that God is supernaturally real in a lot of ways. But it's amazing how God can give me a message that has certain things that I stress in it and how in the worship that proceeds these things can be stressed. I'm going to talk today about the difference between religion and the power of God living within you. I begin today a series of messages on the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And we had our prophetic words and our parallel messages today in many ways in the songs and hymns upon that theme. And it blesses me as I speak to you first about the last word that Jesus gave before he was ascended. If you'll take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. May we pray. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was in seminary, they taught us that we ought to get around people who are dying because many times insights are given to people at that point in their life that they don't get anywhere else. And so I think it's very good if we do that with human beings and we learn from that. Certainly we can learn from the last word that our living Lord said on this earth before he ascended back to the Father. And he said in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. In that statement, there are three basic things. First of all, about the power that we receive. Second of all, about what that power does in us, and thirdly, what that power does through us. And first of all, he's saying, don't try to do significant things of the kingdom by yourself. There was a divorced dad who only got his children part of the time. 
And he had an older daughter who was pretty rebellious and he knew that she wouldn't listen to him if he tried to give her advice so he would stick uh, napkins in her lunchbox that she took to work uh, and hopefully she would read it. And on one he wrote, when times are tough and life is rough and you've had enough, don't get in a huff. Don't sit on your duff. Don't let your sails luff. Bear down. <laughs> now, I would add, get with God's stuff. <laughs> because that's really what Jesus was talking about. And then he said, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit and wait until that happens and don't try to do it on your own. Because, see, we need to appreciate the power that God can put in our lives. And it is amazing power. It is power that is greater than anything the world has now, has ever had in the past, and ever will have in the future. It is amusing to me that Voltaire, the French agnostic, boasted that the Bible would be a dead book in a hundred years. <laughs> now, a hundred years have passed since Voltaire said that, and guess who's dead? <laughs> Voltaire is dead. And what is even funnier than that is the fact that his home now is being used as a place of distribution for Bibles. <laughs> God's power is greater. They thought they'd stamp it out in the Soviet Union. And yet, you see, Russia, like Turkey, has had religion for years from the days of the czars. There were many churches and chapels even inside the Kremlin walls. And on every one of them, there was a cross. And that cross was put at the highest point. And when the communists seized power in 1918, and they made the Kremlin their headquarters, they sought to stamp out religion. And they made the churches into museums. But they never took the crosses down. And all through the 70 years of the communist power, those crosses were still there. And also in the Kremlin, there's a place called the Palace of the Congress. And it's the highest place. They have their most important meetings there. And there one day, Khrushchev said, he boasted, he said, religion is gone. And one day I look forward to parading the last Christian across the stage of this Congress building. Khrushchev died in disgrace. He's not even buried where the rest of the leaders are buried near Lenin's tomb. And on the very stage where Khrushchev made that boast, he was going to parade the last Christian in the Soviet Union across that stage. 
And on that same stage, last Easter, a gospel service, a gospel concert was presented on that stage. David Youngie Cho, not long ago, had a gospel crusade, and it was from that very stage. In 1825, Sir John Boring sailed into Hong Kong Harbor, and he looked at the ruins of St. Paul's Church in Hong Kong. And above the ruins still stood the cross. And he wrote the words that you know, in the cross of Christ I glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time. Amazing power. It outlasts anything that man can concoct no matter how brilliant, no matter how powerful. But you see, even more than that is there's a deeper truth to that. It's not just power. It's presence. It's a powerful presence that can come into the life. And that's the reason there's another verse to that hymn that John Boring wrote. And it says, When the woes of life o'ertake me, Hope deceives and fears annoy. Never shall the cross forsake me. Lo, it glows with peace and joy. And even modern Russia gives evidence to the powerful presence of the Lord. But in John, Jesus said again, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. This powerful presence is to equip you. And when you have it, whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And right after Jesus said that, the book of Acts, which is really the Acts of the early church, the Acts of the apostles, it began to show what happened in these men when the power of the Holy Spirit came into them. In Acts 4.33 it says, And with great power the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. They were bearing witness to what this power worked in their life. You know, the basic thing that is in our carnal nature, when you boil it all down to what it is, what is the carnal nature? It's to look after number one. That's what it is to have the whole world revolve around me and mine and to look out for myself and not to get too far afield from that which does good to me. And yet we read in Acts about a man named Barnabas. He was a Levite from Cyprus. His name means son of encouragement. And he put his money where his mouth was concerning the witness to the power 
that was in him. And he did a very selfless thing. He sold his home and he brought it and he gave it to the disciples. And he witnessed by that work. Now we're not saved by our works, but we sure do witness by our works. And we witness to what God has done in our life. The God that can turn the fearful into the forceful, the coward into the conqueror, the getter into the giver, the confused into the confident. And the results are amazing. He did that. People saw that. Now, he didn't do it for himself. He did it, the Bible is very clear, because of the need. The need was impressed. You know, one of the first things that happens when the power of the Holy Spirit really comes into you, you begin to go out of yourself. For the first time in your life, you're conscious of need around you. But the Bible teaches that you can't outgive God. And the more you give, the more you get. And so people began to have confidence in Barnabas. Now, that's not the reason he did it. He did it for the need. But see, he didn't know God wanted them to have confidence in him. And I got news for you. If somebody sold a house, I mean a big one, <laughs> and gave it to KPC, I guarantee you people in this church would respect that person, wouldn't they? Well, they did that to Barnabas. And you see, God had a use for Barnabas. God had another work for Barnabas. Remember, his name was the encourager. And one day, a man named Saul saw Jesus on the Damascus road. And he fell to the ground. And he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And God began to work his works in Paul. But the disciples were afraid of him. And he came and he wanted to minister. And they said, we don't want any part of him because he's killed Christians. But in Acts 9, 27, we read this. Listen, this is just amazing. Remember what Barnabas did. Remember that work of the Holy Spirit that took him outside of himself. Then we read this, but Barnabas took hold of Saul and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, how Saul had, and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And because of Barnabas, because of his work, because of the work, he testified to the work of the Holy Spirit in his life, Paul had a chance to influence the New Testament church. So you see, we're not only promised this power, we not only see the works of the power changing us, but also what Jesus said was it has something to do with how we're used to change other people. He says you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses to that power in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We don't just witness to an ethic. 
We don't just witness to a philosophy. We witness to a power that changes us. Gladstone was right when he declared that one example is worth a thousand arguments. Ralph Bunch said, if you want to get an idea across, wrap it up in a person and you can get it across. Paul Reese called Barnabas the man who made goodness attractive. And the translation of the word witness is from what we get the word martyr. It, it means one who avows what he's seen and heard and knows, but more than that, he's willing to sell his house. He's willing to give his life. He's willing to enter into a dangerous position because of the Lord who lives in him. Barnabas just didn't walk a sawdust trail or submit to baptism. He put his money where his mouth was. I saw a bumper sticker one day. I like some bumper stickers. I don't like others. Have you ever seen the one, my God's alive, sorry about yours? I mean, come on. But I saw one the other day. It's a, you've seen these bumper stickers, if you love Jesus, honk. This, this bumper sticker said, anybody can honk. If you love Jesus, tithe. <laughs> I like that one. You knew I'd like that one, didn't you? <laughs> the atheist Nietzsche said, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, look more redeemed. <laughs> that kind of gets down to where it is, doesn't it? See, Barnabas sold out to Christ and everybody knew it. Perhaps the best definition of consecration is from M.H. Miller. He said, consecration, I'll get it in a minute. Consecration is handing God a blank sheet to fill in with your name already signed at the bottom. God, I don't care. And I believe when this power of the Holy Spirit is flowing in your life, and for the first time you don't just have religion, but you have a living presence of God inside of you, then you find yourself reckless. You find yourself saying, Lord, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Good, bad, or indifferent, you just do it. And I'll come along because I want to. And you see, Paul learned that from Barnabas, and that's the reason that Paul later wrote to the, to the believers in Thessalonica. He said, having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. You see, that's what the world needs to see. And it needs to see more of it. And I hope that as we consider the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, you will ask to be filled by that Holy Spirit. You will ask to be refilled by that Holy Spirit. 
so people can come to see what a real witness to Jesus Christ is. Carol Bruning was concerned about that. She was a chaplain's wife in Germany, and she lost her wallet. <laughs> and, of course, chaplains don't make all that much money, but she wasn't concerned as much about the money, but about the fact that her credit cards and her identification and even her children's school pictures were in that wallet. And so she immediately started calling all the credit card companies and gasoline credit card companies and all of that. And then a knock came on her door, and she went to the door, and she saw this elderly, very fine-looking gentleman. And he said, is your name so-and-so? And she said, yes. He said, well, he said, you know, I found your wallet on the sidewalk in front of my house, and I looked through it, and I found your address, and I found a lot of other things about you when I looked through that wallet. Now, she was glad when she got that wallet. She really was. But would you believe she was convicted? She was convicted. I'll tell you what she was convicted about. She said herself, she said, anybody that found my wallet would know that I was a driver by my driver's license. They would know I was a reader by my library card. They would know I was responsible by my credit cards. They would know I was a wife and a mother by the photographs that were in my wallet. But there wasn't a thing in that wallet about the fact that the living Lord lives inside of me. And she was convicted about that, and she said, from now on, everything I have is going to witness to the power that lives in me. If you live in the Inglewood neighborhood of Chicago, you're going to see a witness to that power because you're going to see a preacher by the name of Ed Peacher and a group of people who call themselves the New Heritage Christian Center. They were a church that in seven years, I'm, I'm sorry, in nine years, grew from seven to over 500. And they were in the suburbs. They had a nice little church going. They really did. But the power of the Holy Spirit began to move in them. And they looked in the inner city of Chicago and they saw prostitution. They saw drugs. They saw kids that didn't have a chance. They saw horrible things. And you know what they did? They sold their church. And they moved down into Inglewood, right in the bowels of the ghetto of the city. And they began to proclaim Christ down there. And I like what Peter said. He said, we sold our middle-class homes. Now, they just didn't sell their church. I'm sorry I didn't say that before now. They just didn't sell their church. But every one of them sold their homes. And they moved with the church, and they live down there in the Inglewood ghetto. And Peter says, it's not going to be a ghetto for long. 
because when you bring light into darkness, things always change. See, Peter was a black panther when he was young. They told him that the only way the black people were going to advance was through militarism. And he tried that, and he got very disillusioned because he saw that what that was producing was not really bettering the people. It was making them more hostile. It was making them more sinful. And so he retreated into drugs and alcohol and stayed there for a long time with no clear direction in his life. And one day, a witness to the power of God came across his path. He had never met anybody like that before. And he took him to a church, and Ed Peacher gave his life to the Lord Jesus. And now he said, God is able to change these folks in Inglewood because he changed us, and we are willing to put him to the test. You see, not only is the power powerful, not only do we receive his power in a real way, not just a religious principle or ethic, but a power, but also we're the only way that the world is going to get it. They're not going to get it any other way. That's the reason we read the words in Revelation, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And then it says why that word of their testimony was so powerful. You see, maybe you say, well, I've tried to testify a little bit, and I never have seen it all that powerful. And I'd have to say I'm in that group. I'm not trying to put down anybody. But after it says here, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, it says why? It says, and they loved not their life even unto the death. He was five. He had been in the church all his life. And he had heard that he was to receive Jesus he was to open his heart to Jesus. He was to let Jesus live inside him. And five-year-old little boys take things kind of literally. And when he heard about Jesus living inside of him, he said, Mama, if Jesus lives inside of me, see, he's bigger than me. And if he lives inside of me, won't he stick out? stick out and that's the result of what Jesus meant when he said but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth For more information on how to obtain other tapes of Dr. Little's messages or how to have him speak in your church, contact Dick Little's Ministries, 2539 Marymount Drive, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 27106, 
or phone area code 336-765-2335.